to a special episode of the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and I'm joined by a returning guest, and that's Gordon Demowski. Gordon, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, so the reason for this uh, special episode is we got a big announcement from James Gunn and Peter Safran about the the new uh, DC slate of movies, TV shows, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I figure every single podcast in this space is doing something similar, but I thought it'd be it'd be good to just kind of put something out and talk about it and kind of get our impressions out about it. And uh, I was put out a call on Twitter, and you were nice enough to uh, volunteer your time to come on to talk about this. So thank you for for doing that. No problem. I mean, um, when I heard the news, I was actually um, I was actually pretty stoked because I was I was pleasantly surprised by some of the choices, especially the first thing that was announced. Um, mm-hmm. I think after a period where we had maybe a focus. Uh, more on kind of, uh, you know, being very much about mythology and high drama and um, having it basically degenerate into a Three Stooges style existential food fight. Um, It's nice to actually see that, okay, these are actually things that I would want to watch. And it, it feels like it feels like there's at least some thought behind the plan rather than just like throwing stuff out there the way it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Um, before we dive too be- deep into that, though, uh, let's kind of talk about how we got to this point, right? So obviously we had um, Discovery bought out Warner Brothers, David Zaslav took control, and ever since Zack Snyder stepped away from the DCEU, it's just been kind of all over the place tonally, right? We've had... DC, and uh, James Gunn even mentioned this in his announcement. He said, you know, DC was just kind of like, you know, farming out their IPs to to anybody that they thought could do something without any real sort of plan in mind for it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And it's not all been bad by any means. We've gotten some good stuff out of it. Like, um, you know, we got the there's some great casting choices, at least in the from what the, the came from the Snyderverse. I thought uh, pretty much. All the casting choices outside of Ezra Miller, I thought, were were very well done. Um, we got Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman, and um, we got uh, you know Jason Momoa's Aquaman movie, uh, directed by James Wan, and we got Shazam, and then we got stuff that was, you know, also kind of just an odd choice, like going with Matt Reeves' Batman with Robert Pattinson, which is not really part of anything and then you had we had the joker with joaquin phoenix which again is not really part of anything yeah it it felt very much like it reminded me of marvel in the 90s where Mm -hmm. you had the bad punisher movies they sell off um in the in the lead into their filing for bankruptcy they sell off the fantastic four and spider-man to other companies Mm -hmm. there was there's a bunch of, you know, there's that really bad Captain America movie with J.D. Salinger's son. Um, mm-hmm. And it felt like DC, at least leading into Zack Snyder, um, as much as there's a lot of, he might not have been the, the, the best guy for the job stylistically. I think that mm-hmm. there's at least an effort to kind of go, the approach was, okay, we got to catch up to Marvel. Um and I think between Snyder stepping down, you kind of had the whole um, I, Walter, and I'm going to 
I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess up his last Hamada. name. Hamada. Hamada. Thank you. Um, kind of did a different thing where it's like, okay, well, we're going to have different movies and different multiverses. So there was, there was, you know, the the Matt Reeves Batman. There's the Batgirl movie that Snyder later scrapped. Not Snyder. It was um, that was uh, it was Zaslav who scrapped the Batgirl movie. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Zaslav. Yeah. And remember, Zaslav is the guy who brought us Honey Boo Boo. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, he's a reality guy. Um, but there was mm-hmm. the and then there was all sorts of reshoots around the Ezra the Flash movie because of Ezra Miller's activities as well as some other stuff that was kind of going on, and it it really felt right. like. At least the, the the initial Snyder concept was an effort to go, okay, we're going to try to put together some thought. And it seems like when Gunn came in, he came in with, you know, he had just been fired from Marvel because of um, trolls on Twitter. Uh, then right. DC had him do the Suicide Squad sequel, which was really good. Out of that came Peacemaker. And I think what DC saw is that Gunn has a sensibility of, he knows comics. He can see the inherent goofiness of them, but he's also really good at finding character beats where you might not see them. I mean, nobody ever said, like, uh, even as early as, say, five years ago, no one would say, Peacemaker, that's going to be a really cool streaming series. Um, Mm -hmm. With Suicide Squad... The fact that he managed to make a sequel that basically flipped expectations on their head. I mean, the first 15 minutes or you're expecting to see one thing and you, you find it becomes another movie because the first team gets mm-hmm. killed off. Um, and so, and I think like gun, the way I, um, I think gun is the uh, kind of the creative mind and Sassman, is that his last name? Saffron. The, Peter Seffrin. Peter Seffrin. Peter Seffrin is like Seffrin is the business guy. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some thought to it. I love the fact that Gunn didn't say like this is our eight to ten year plan. He said this is what we're willing to announce right now, and we've got other stuff coming down the pike, mm-hmm. which to me is very refreshing. After the the whole Snyder, here's our, here's our timeline for the next ten years until it's not. Yeah. So I think there's a real intelligence and a real, it feels like there are adults in the room right now, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I think Absolutely. there's a real yeah. kind of thought behind it. One of the things Gunn did too, and um, this kind of pig- piggybacking off what you had said, is he had done something that I thought probably would have seemed impossible at the time, which was he made a movie with the Suicide Squad that was both consistent with the Suicide Squad movie that was already out with David Ayers, but also managed to not be chained down by it and still managed to be its own thing and be a lot more entertaining too. And also still have gun sensibility um, wrapped up in there. And then he went Mm -hmm. from that to Peacemaker, you know, I mean, and I'd said this when we did our Peacemaker episode, I, I thought, you know, okay, you know, this is clearly just a vehicle because they want to get more mileage out of John Cena because he's, you know, up and coming action star. So they're just tossing him this. I don't know if it'd be any good. I'm not sure if I'm going to be interested in it. And then even when it premiered, I just kind of let it sit for a few for a few weeks or so until probably until about episode five came out. And then and everybody online was saying, dude, you got to watch Peacemaker. And I checked it out and I was 
blown away by how well it was. I mean, talk about, you know, finding character bits. That was it. It was an amazing exploration of character. Yeah. And I, th- I think Gunn understands how to balance that need to be comic booky uh, with the need for mm-hmm. really grounding it in solid characterization that, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that in his Suicide Squad, he pulls, you know, he, he pulls arm fall off boy from the Legion, calls him the detachable kid. That's kind of his sensibility. It's like he gives even wacky characters have a sense of seriousness about them. And that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's what he brings to the table. Um, he's also not afraid of like bright colors and light and sunshine. Um, yeah. He's also willing to take. Well, yeah, a- I mean, that's a that's a. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was about to say it's he's also willing to take on very. Morally ambiguous and goes to the um in terms of plot like i'm thinking with suicide squad you know there's a you know they know they're going to get killed if they don't if they don't defy the mission but is there's also that that scene at the end between cena and flag where they're fighting over the ethics of the situation most directors i don't with comic book movies wouldn't go there he did also too um and this is going into what you said about the colors and how he makes things He's able to ground things, even if they see comic booky. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a, I mean, he had freaking polka dot man in that movie. He had King. Sh- I mean, he had freaking polka dot man in that movie and made him manage to seem like a, a grounded character. Like King shark. Right? right. And he did the same thing with the guardians movies where King shark felt like the most human character out of everyone, even though he's a giant CGI shark with Stallone's voice. And he did the same thing with Groot, right? Groot was this, you know, big monosyllabic or trisyllabic, I guess, technically, um, you know, creature and managed to be the most human character in that movie. And so he's able to take these really wild concepts and he's able to show that you don't need to ground things by setting it in the real world or by darkening everything up. And I mean, you know, I love Matt Reeves' The Batman movie as much as anybody, but I am also tired of this idea that Batman has to be grounded in a real world setting. We've seen that time and time again. We can have something a little bit different. Yeah, I I think that, um, and in looking at a lot of his selections, um, especially the first one that came out, um, you know, you can, and, and I'll be honest, uh, when, when they announced Creature Commandos was like their, their first project, it's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's a guy who understands comic history and isn't afraid to embrace the, the kind of sillier side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's run down the list, actually, um, and go down what we got here. So um, the ones here, and I'm not sure if this is in, the one that's going to be the one that's released first uh, is Superman Legacy which is oh, okay. going to be this that's going to be like the start of the DCU um but it's not an origin story it's it seems similar to what the, what Matt Reeves did with Batman with the Batman where it's going to be like a like a story set in like year 2 or year 3 that he's out there right he's been around for a little bit we we know the main cast already so we don't have to worry about reintroducing everybody um, but it's going to focus on him trying to balance his kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing um, and it, and one of the things I loved about this is Peter Safran said he is kindness in a world that thinks ki- that kindness 
that thinks that kindness is old fashioned. And I love that idea because I think that was one of the things that made the, the Chris Evans, Captain America movie so strong was that idea that, that almost man out of time ethics that cap had that, you know, contrasted with the, um, the cold hard realities of a post nine 11 America. And I thought that movie perfectly showed that, yeah, you can have a guy who has this kind of code, moral code and set him in a modern day. And it can still be very realistic. It doesn't have to seem hokey or old fashioned or anything like that. So I was really happy to hear about that. What did you think? I thought it was, I was really glad to hear it too, because we, we need a halfway decent Superman movie. Uh, I think we've spent too much time with, you know, tortured, gloomy Superman. This mm -hmm. is someone who is, you know, yes, they're struggling with their heritage, but hearing things about kindness and empathy, I think those are things that, to be honest, I think it's what people are looking for in movies right now. And I, I think mm -hmm. bringing Superman back to the idea of, you know, he's not just a big blue boy scout. He's, you know, he's, you know, he has issues, but he's also like, it's returning him to the ideal that, that like, Chris Reeve tried to embody. It's just, he's a decent person trying to do the right thing. He just right. happens to fly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things that I find interesting about this is the decision to recast the role and to keep Henry Cavill out of it, because, you know, Gunn seemed to have left the, the door open for Jason Momoa as Aquaman, for Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, for, Ezra Miller as the, as the Flash, and we'll get into, into that one later. But when it comes to Superman and Batman, they seemed almost determined to do a recasting. Um, now, I'm one of the guys who feel I, I did not like the Snyder movies at all. I thought that Man of Steel, I like I liked the first half of Man of Steel. Up until Jonathan dies, I was on board. But then after that moment happens, it's just it just completely lost me, and then it just it kept on getting worse from that point on. But I thought there were some really good ideas in there. And I thought Cavill had some really good um, beginnings as Superman. He had some very nice shades of it. And then, you know, when we got to, um, again, I didn't, I hated the ultimate cut of Batman V Superman. I know everyone says it's, it's better. I say it's more consistent, but it doesn't make it better. <laughs> I think a lot of the problems are still there. Um, but, you know, it showed him, you know, acting as an investigative reporter in some degree. And I like that aspect of it too. And so we see him in all these different iterations. And then again, the Justice League cut, lots of problems with that. But one of the things I loved is that Cavill actually seemed to have a chance to be charming as Superman. <laughs> you know, bad CGI mm -hmm. lip aside, I think he kind of showed us, he gave us a glimpse of what he could do if he had the right director, if he had the right script. And the fact that, you know, there was, he got, you know, stuck in the the middle of this, you know, push and pull between Jane, Dwayne Johnson and Warner Brothers is, I think he got, he was made an unfortunate casualty of that. Um, what do you think about the idea of keeping other actors in, but recasting Superman? Well, I think with, with the approach um, that Gunn wants to take, you need a younger actor. Mm -hmm. And I think Cavill in all fairness, I think he's probably because I think he's in what his like mid thirties, maybe early to mid thirties. I think he might be a little old for the role. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that 
you know, and Gunn even came out and said that 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 Cavill was quote unquote dicked around by the studio um, mm-hmm. because of the whole thing with Dwayne Johnson. And so I I would love to have Cavill at least get a fair shot at the role one more time. And I know that that Gunn has kind of said that certain movies are going to be part of an Elseworlds branded line. So like mm-hmm. uh, the Joker sequel and the Reeves Batman. I'd love to see him at least get one more shot because I yeah. think that, you know, I didn't like the, um, didn't like the just first movie except for those scenes. Um, I, I, on, I didn't, I didn't care too much for man of steel. Um, Batman V Superman. It was, I, I saw the ultimate cut. I want my, those three hours of my life back. <laughs> um, I just, I really, I really think, and I think it's not just Snyder's direction. I think it's also some huge script problems. Mm. So I think I, it would be nice to give Cavill, you know, maybe you give him um, one of those, an Elseworlds project where he actually gets to be a halfway decent Superman and give him one more shot at it. So I do think um, for Gunn's intended project, now there may be a project down the line that, that he gives to Cavill, but I, I think he deserves at least one fair shot, another crack at the role. If only that he can be part of a script that would allow him to be Superman. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think yeah, it might be interesting. Well, you know, here's some things I'm thinking about just in my mind as as you mentioned that, and you know, especially if you're looking at him as more of an older Superman. I mean, if you could get Ben Affleck to come back, you could probably actually do a Dark Knight Returns in live action properly instead of like the the kind of Dark Knight Returns-esque stuff we got in Batman v Superman. And because, you know, in that story, Superman is supposed to look perpetually young anyway. So it would make sense for Cavill to look younger than Batman anyway. Um, But also, you know, we could do something like, you know, one of the images that uh, Gunn tweeted out was of Kingdom Come. We could see him in like a a Kingdom Come movie or, or something like that. Or, you know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow or any sort of, you know, one of those timeless out of continuity stories or something that we could use with Superman, I think would be interesting to, to see what they do with that. Um, and yeah, and I hope we get something like that at some point. Um, I was also thinking about this idea of him struggling with his Kryptonian heritage. And I think one way you could do it that I think would feel unique is, did you read Superman smashes the clan? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he would work in that story because you need you need someone who's going one. It gives him a good ch- crack at the role, but also it it gives him a chance to. It's out of continuity, but I think it, he's got Cavill has that kind of like classic, that kind of classic 1930s esque look. I mean, you, you know what I mean. He's got mm-hmm. just that vibe about him. I mean, he's really good in Man from Uncle. Yes, yeah, he was the only reason I sat through Man from Uncle. Yeah, I mean, you know, granted, he—I think he does a little—he leans a little too much into the Robert Vaughnness of the role, but mm-hmm. he's good in that setting. And I think if you put Cavill in a Superman Saves the Clan type setting, and you can re- uh, that I think would be perfect for him because I do think he deserves another shot at the role because mm-hmm. he did kind of get pushed and pulled. You know, give him a script that he can really lean into. And let him just, you know, let him that be, let let that be his last hurrah. Yeah. 
so the other project that's listed here in the article I've got open in front of me is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which is taking inspiration from the recent uh, Tom King miniseries. Um, and Gunn said that this would be a very different type of Supergirl and much more hardcore. Uh, he said, we'll see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time he was an infant, versus Supergirl, raised on a rock, a chip off of Krypton, and who watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life and then come to Earth. She is much more hardcore and not the Supergirl we're used to. Now, I haven't read uh, Woman of Tomorrow yet, but I understand it is amazing from what everyone has said. Um, and I think... You know, when they when they talked about doing a Supergirl movie, I was getting flashes to the Supergirl TV show. Didn't know Supergirl had a TV show. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, that's I'm sorry, Mad Cow. Oh, were you serious? I was I was talking about the I was I thought you were making a joke. <laughs> oh no no I I I I completely blanked on the CW series. <laughs> okay, so. Folks, I'm over 40. Please understand. <laughs> things happen. One of the things that, you know, I thought about, because if you're going to have a Superman and a Supergirl both in movies, you got to find a way to differentiate them. And I think if we had, I think it was smart of the CW to hold off on doing a Superman TV show until after Supergirl had ended, because otherwise it feels like th that Supergirl show, it felt very tonally consistent with what we'd expect from Superman. And so mm -hmm. seeing this idea here um, based off the Tom King series, I think it's I'm really curious about this. I wasn't really interested in the Woman of Tomorrow miniseries, but now I'm really curious to check it out. What are some of your thoughts about this Supergirl project? Um, I'm, I'm curious to check out. I want to check out the comic because I know King, uh, he for me, he's a very hit or miss writer. Like mm -hmm. I loved his work on um, I love Strange Adventures. Um and I really enjoyed um, Mr. Miracle. Uh, I'm enjoying his Human Target series. Part, yeah, Mr. Miracle, Human Target. Um, I thought that I wasn't a big fan of. I liked his approach in Heroes in Crisis, but that's a book that you know to me felt very much. You could tell that the editors had a heavy hand in it, mm -hmm. um, and it seemed like he wanted to go one way, but was told to go another way. So it's it's mixed feelings, but. I'd say I like the approach, just not the execution. Um, mm -hmm. And I also was not, I didn't really care for his Warshock series. Um, it was just kind of there. So I think, I, I think as a writer, he does some really interesting stuff about, you know, kind of the impact of uh, heroic experiences on the superhero. Vision was a great series. I thought that was, I'm not sure if yes. you read his vision work, but yeah, Definitely. that was, that was amazing. Yes, um, I did. I liked most of his Batman. I know a lot of people soured on it at, at a point, but I was fine with it for the most part. I thought maybe it didn't, maybe it ended a little anticlimactically, but otherwise I was mostly okay with it. I thought his Superman series, what was it? Uh, I think it was called up in the sky. That was brilliant. I love that. Yeah. I, his Batman, I have mixed feelings about, but it's also, again, I appreciated the approach. I just didn't care for the execution. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to, I'm not sold on him. It's just, he's one of those writers that I either really, really like, or I'm kind of mad. I'm not like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's garbage. Let's throw it out. You know? So, right. Cause I do think he's, he has a very unique take on superheroes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and I think it, it'll be different to have a, a Supergirl who might be more hardcore, but who isn't 
Um, but part of it is a reaction to growing up on a floating rock in space. So I think, um, and I think knowing Gunn's approach, he does it, a lot of that, that kind of content he does with sensitivity, mm-hmm. but with also a sense of realism. So even if he's not the director of that, I think he's looking at it from the standpoint of how do we do this in the best way where it's not just, you know, it's not an image comic come to life. It does. It does. And I think with Peacemaker, he proved that he can definitely do that because there you've got this character with this very rough upbringing who discovers a moral code through that. And we get a very complex portrayal as opposed to something you'd see like, like you said, in like an early nineties image comic or something you'd see in, in like the Snyder movies where it's just, you know, violent origin equals, edgy superhero and that's kind of what we're going with and mm-hmm. gun doesn't seem interested in that kind of stuff so i think we'll definitely get something uh nuanced out of that um so yeah i'm that's the one i'm probably the most curious about just based on what we see here the next one that was mm-hmm. uh announced here that's on this list is the brave and the bold uh which is going to be um this is going to this and this is something i've been waiting for for a long time is that they're going to, you know, just like I said about Matt Reeves' Batman, as much as I love that movie, I am kind of disappointed that we keep going back to this well of let's put Batman in the real world when he's got all these colorful characters, he's got this colorful world, and it's cool to see, you know, a dark Batman as a contrast to that that kind of craziness around him. Um, so I think what when they announced this, I thought it was great because they said, okay, so Matt Reeves is doing the more grounded, realistic Batman that people have come to expect in, in movies. And so let him do that. And he's doing that on his own. But this is going to lean into the fact that we can also have a Batman that's set in the DC universe. We can have a Batman who has sidekicks, who has allies in Gotham. And the fact that it's going to um, team him up with uh, Damian Wayne is... Um, and very heavily influenced by Grant Morrison's uh, Batman run. And Gunn described Damien as our favorite Robin, a little son of a bitch, an assassin and a murderer. Uh, And um, he said that it would explore a very strange sort of father and son story. I'm very, I'm totally on board with all of this. How did you feel about Brave and the Bold? I'm actually, I'm actually curious now because it's um, one of the things, the one thing I kind of wish, and I know they wouldn't do this, but like, I loved an early in Morrison's run where Dick Grayson was Batman and he he's basically mentoring Robin and mm. Damien's all like, yeah, let's go kill them. And, and Dick is like, no, we, we don't do that. And Dick is also struggling with trying to be Batman because, mm. you know, he's not Bruce Wayne. Um, it'll be interesting to have uh, Bruce Wayne as, you know, the father, because most of the Batman Robin relationship have been portrayed. It's like you've got the Adam West, you know, the, the Burt Ward kind of, yeah, he's the son for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had Chris O'Donnell who, okay. He, he played a character called Robin. We can, <laughs> we can agree on that. Um, uh, there is, if, if you want to be really kind of tangential about it, um, uh, the the character that Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays in the third Nolan film, Nolan Batman film, it's supposedly hinted that he either is Robin or was called Robin. There's that kind of subtle little in-joke. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Zack Snyder 
you see the the Robin shirt with the graffiti. Ha ha. The joke's on you. Right. We've also had uh, uh, Brendan Brenton Thwaites as uh, Dick Grayson on the Titans, too. And we got to see after we didn't see him in season one, but starting in season two, they brought in Bruce Wayne. So we got to see some of their dynamic. too. Right. Yeah. So it'd be good to it'll be good to have like um, it kind of not not just having a father telling his son, no, Damien, don't, we don't kill people, you know, but also dealing with father stuff. Or this is a kid who didn't really know who his father was until recently, who was brought up by assassins, whose mother has a very, um, you know, depending on, on the author, you know, obviously she is not with Bruce, is not with Batman. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm curious. It's not, it's not where I would have gone with a Batman movie, but that's why I'm curious about it, because it's not the usual direction. I, I, Grant Morrison is good, you know, has enough of a love of like the, the kind of, you know, interesting little corners of the DCU that mm-hmm. I think would really fit kind of gun sensibility. Absolutely. Yeah. If, and I think, yeah, I mean, if you look at that, that Batman and Robin run that Morrison did, I think that's a perfect example of what seems to be the approach gun is taking. He's gonna, you know, he's going to play with the weirdness stuff of it. He's going to play with the, the colorful side of stuff, but it's still going to have that. It's going to be grounded in that characterization. And I think Morrison definitely nailed that in that series. Um, and like you pointed out, like it wasn't actually Bruce under the cow in that, in that series, it was actually Dick. Um, most of the interactions with Bruce and Damien as Batman and Robin came afterwards. And the, the Peter J. Tomasi uh, run, which I've just started reading now. And they, they do some really interesting stuff with, that relationship. So I just love the fact that we are going to, that they're embracing the fact that, well, we've got two Batman. So let's use this opportunity to explore them in different environments. You know, we don't have to do solo Batman movie. We don't have to have two competing solo Batman series of movies. We can have the solo Batman movies that Reeve is doing. And then here we have the Batman team up movies for lack of a better word. And I think that's a, and I think calling it the brave and the bold is a very good move for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, it's, um, it, it also provides, I think for a little different differentiation, because if guns planning to have the whole, like all the stuff that we were doing before is going to fall under else worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it provides for a lot more continuity than like, okay, you've got the Batman two, and, Batman with Robin, whereas you mm-hmm. go Batman to Brave and the Bold. It's like consistency in, you know, the Brave and the Bold, Brave and the Bold 2, you'll have Batman in whoever, you know. Yeah. You, so I think there's, I like that he's actually thinking this stuff through and not just, oh, we're going to do this movie, this movie, this movie. And it's not the usual suspects or even the usual approach. Right. In a way, it seems almost, too, that they're taking a note from what Marvel has been doing with the Spider-Man movies in the MCU because they went, we did five solo Spider-Man movies. So instead of just doing more solo Spider-Man movies, we're going to make kind of uh, a mix of a solo Spider-Man movie and Marvel team up. So you have Spider-Man and Iron Man pops up or you have Spider-Man and then you've got Nick Fury running around. Then you've got, you know, Dr. Strange in, in the, the most recent one. So they're, they're playing around with the idea of how Spider-Man interacts with these different characters. Mm-hmm. And so, so- yeah, and it's also be good too because we don't know 
what kind of connective tissues there's going to be. Because I know Gunn is committed to, at least on the animated side, having people who can do the voice as well as play it live action. Right. But we might see if down the road they're doing, um, let's say, a Metal Men animated series in like year three. Mm-hmm. You have like the Magnus Institute assigned in like the Brave and the Bold. So I think there's enough. I think there's enough there to play with where it's not as maybe locked. It's not as lockstep as say Marvel has been for the past few years, but it's mm-hmm. also kind of. And I think that the, the comforting thing is that the two comforting things to me are that one, Gunn has said this is what we're comfortable with announcing right now. Mm-hmm. So that we know that that you know there are other plans for chapter one, you know what he calls chapter mm-hmm. one. I'm also glad that they're not laying out their whole. They just said it's an eight to ten year plan, but there it sounds like there's room for like improvisation and moving things around. So it's not like okay, it's not like the Snyder version where they had to cancel several movies because Batman v Superman was just was just what it was. Right. You know, so but I'm yeah, I think Brave and Bold is is real. That's it's one that I'm I'm curious about. And I'd love. Yeah, but I like the approach. It also and, you know, depending on how they go with it, if they're going to have like a different team up in each iteration of it. So if like, you know, this first one is going to be with Batman and, and Damian Wayne as Robin, maybe the next one we could see like a Batman Superman story or something where we can actually see them working together and i would love to see how gun approaches that relationship as opposed to because i think the laziest idea in 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 fandom is batman and superman hate each other so and i i like it more mm-hmm. when it's a much more complex respect they, they respect each other even even though they disagree on almost everything um and i think that's a lot more interesting um so yeah, it'll be cool to see, and it gives you a chance to explore these relationships that Batman has with these characters in a deeper way than you'd get a chance to really in like a Justice League movie or something like that. Batman becomes a character; he's not just Batman, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next one here on the list is uh, Paradise Lost, which is a Wonder Woman prequel series for HBO Max, um, and this is going to be exploring uh the amazons of themisira before the birth of of diana and saffron said it's going to ha- it's going to be like a game of thrones ish story and um it's going to expand on political intrigue behind a society of all women and gun said um how did that that come about the idea of uh the origin of themisira what's the origin of an island of all women what are all the beautiful truths and the ugly truths behind all of that? And what's the scheming like between different power players in that society? Now, I'm not the biggest Wonder Woman fan. Um, I I don't think I even own any. I own, I've read Wonder Woman Earth 1, the, the Grant Morrison one. Didn't really care for it too much. Uh, it's like probably the one Grant Morrison thing I've read that I didn't really like that much. And I haven't really read any of her other stuff. So... You know, I'm meaning to maybe eventually get around to it, maybe after I chip away at the massive TBR pile I currently have. Um, and the fact of, and if we're talking about Themyscira without Wonder Woman, it just as a, on paper, the concept doesn't really seem appealing to me a whole lot. What do you think about this? I can see doing a kind of, something said on Themyscira, like a, mm. like a fantasy, high fantasy series. I'm, and I, I, I've read Wonder Woman off and on. So it's like, 
I think there are different approaches you can you can take with her. Um, I think though a Game of Thrones style series, like I, I'll be honest, I saw the first first th- when I watched like the first episode or two of Game of Thrones, I realized I liked it better when it was produced by the BBC in the mid nineteen seventies, starred Jer- Derek Jacobi, and was called I Claudius. Um, you know that kind of political intrigue backstabbing. It's one where I'd have to really. It's not something that that grabs my interest. Um, I'd probably watch the pilot just to check it out, but um, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't. I don't. I don't. The two don't match for me. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I mean, I could very well be proven wrong. Like with with Peacemaker, I thought that was not something I would be into, and I ended up loving it. So. So we'll see what happens, but on paper right now, that's probably the one I'm least interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm on to the next one. That's probably the the one I'm also not as invested in is uh, Booster Gold, uh, an HBO Max series. So, you know, Booster Gold, people who don't know, time traveling hero, uh, and Saffron described it as a loser from the future who uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. And Gunn then added that he has imposter syndrome as a superhero. Um, And they're going to be leaning into the comedy aspects of it. And like, I'll just be honest right here. I've never been a big fan of Booster Gold. Whenever he's popped up in, I've never read his solo titles. Whenever he's popped up in in other titles, I just kind of like, you know, grunted my way through it because just because the characters never really appealed to me um what do you stand on booster gold uh i think the only time booster gold for me really worked was in uh 52 the the series uh 52 that that 52 week series mm-hmm. that came right after i think final crisis uh infinite crisis infinite crisis um there have been so many crises it's understandable <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> Where he he took on a new identity because he was trying to at least validate himself because he kind of felt like, okay, I've been the goofball for so long. Now I need to be a hero. Mm -hmm. I could see a show like this working if it's like a half hour comedy where it's not like um, it's not like uh, it's not like Peacemaker done for laughs, but like Mm -hmm. a nice short little concise. I'm not a big Bruce to go fan because I think. Uh, I, I think that that whole concept of the goofball hero has been overdone and overdone for so long. It doesn't feel as fresh. So mm-hmm. I think doing a nice compact little like half hour comedy over a series of weeks, I think that's probably the best you can do with them. It's not mm-hmm. something I'm going to be watching every week, but it's something that I'd like to see what they do. Yeah. Now, even though I'm not the booster gold, the biggest fan of booster gold in the comics, um, and I haven't really cared much for him when he's popped up in different things, you know, wasn't, didn't care for him when he popped up in Smallville. Um, I know he appeared in um, Legends of Tomorrow played by Donald Faison. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm curious about that because I love Donald Faison. But, um, but one of the things I will say is if there is anyone that I think could get me interested in Booster Gold, it would be James Gunn. Cause this does seem like the kind of thing that's totally in his wheelhouse, right? You've got this, you know, c-list hero who is you know not 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 so not so serious he's you know he's got a lot of issues he's um 
you know, you know, he plays it's played for laughs a lot. I could definitely see Gunn doing something interesting with that. So like I won't be probably won't be checking out any Booster Gold comics anytime soon, but I could see myself liking this show when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Well, I have seen Donald Faison as as Booster Gold on Legends of Tomorrow. Um, he's actually one of the highlights of that 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 kind of final uh, ending season. Um, and and if James Gunn is listening to this, hire him for your show because um, I think he I think he he did a really he did a a really good job at really highlighting kind of the goofiness of the character. But yeah, it does fit in the Gunn's kind of he. I think Gunn really likes taking obscure people and obscure characters and going okay what can I find in this that can give them a little bit of, of uh, a kick? Um, what can mm-hmm. I do that gives this character resonance? I mean, again, neither one of us would have thought, oh, Peacemaker is going to be a really interesting character to talk about toxic masculinity and dysfunctional households and, and you know, kind of um, clandestine government missions. You know, we, we, you know, we wouldn't say we wouldn't be talking about it. We'd probably be talking about like, um, okay, a checkmate series or something that's a little bit more well known. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I, I like Booster Gold. I'm curious. I'm probably not a big fan either, but mm-hmm. I at least check it out. Yeah. Uh, next one we have uh, Creature Commandos, which is going to be an animated series um, to start off at least. And, you know, in the comics, this was, they took a bunch of classic monsters like Frankenstein's monster. They had a werewolf character, a vampire, mm-hmm. and a gorgon. And they were fighting Nazis in World War II. But this is going to be a, a modern take. And um, Gunn's going to be writing every episode. He's already, he's actually finished writing every episode so far. There's seven of them. So it's already in production. And he says that, Shows like this are going to allow them to tell stories that are gigantic, but without spending $50 million an episode. Um, And there hasn't been anyone announced for the voices yet, but they are looking for actors who can do both the voices in the animated series and then also play these characters in live action, which is an interesting idea. And now I've never read anything with the Creature Commandos in the comics, um, but... I do love the idea of monsters fighting fighting Nazis, so maybe we can get a modern take on on that aspect of it. Yeah, well, I I actually have read the Creature Commandos because they started in the eighties with Weird War Tales, and it was basically the Universal Monsters with a human guy fighting Nazis in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Truman revived them in the two thousands, and they were um. They introduced like a like a like a creature from the Black Lagoon guy and a and a mummy, and then they were actually part of the New Fifty Two for a while. But it's kind of a blink and you miss a moment. Was that a good series? Was that worth the read? The Weird War Tale stuff, yeah, because it's just you know. But again, I was I was reading this stuff when I was twelve, so you know, monsters, Nazis make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Truman series, I I remember like reading and liking, but um. I think it was, I, I don't, I don't, wouldn't say it was like a classic. I think it was just kind of, and I didn't really catch the new 52 um, creature commandos. I think it's just okay. one of those. It's I, 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 I love the fact that, that gun is leading off with this because it's gloriously goofy. Um, I'm assuming it's a modern take yeah. rather than a world war two take. But, um, and I think it's, I think it's just one of those that um, like, 
it's more nostalgia than it is like an actual I think this this material is valid. I'm I'm I really want to I'm really looking forward to this, but again, it's the twelve year old in me. It's not the grown up adult comics fan in me. So there's a lot of bias there. I think just like with Booster Gold, this is something that I'm more interested in because Gunn's heavily involved with it. Again, this is something that seems right within his wheelhouse. You've got that the whole this misfit crew of heroes and all that. And so I could definitely see him doing something that's a lot of fun with this. And I could also see him doing it in a way that's very tongue in cheek, too. Mm -hmm. And and it includes G.I. Robot. Oh, (laughs) which was another basically World War Tales in like the. Uh, early 80s was basically two stories gi robot and creature commandos and i mean it basically it was it the, the robot was named jake which stands for j something a something k something e something um but he like he should he's kind of like johnny psycho's flying robot but man size mm. so he could shoot rockets out of his fingers he had like a human like a younger soldier as like a companion he went on missions I mean, again, you just you just gotta. I mean, it's just so, at the, at at the very least, this is going to be a fun show. Yeah, it may not yeah. be serious the way the other stuff might be, but it's going to be fun and goofy. Now, um, this also brings up another point that Gunn made is that he said that all of the stuff that's coming out, so the animated series, the the video games, uh, the TV shows, and the movies, they're all going to be linked together. I've heard this before <laughs> and you know, we've seen different aspects of this where they're like, Oh yeah, this is a sequel to what this video game is a sequel to the movie. And then w- until the next movie comes out and then they're like, yeah, we're not going to bother with that anymore. Um, and uh, so I am curious if they're actually going to be able to pull that side of it off. And the, the other thing to consider are the DC animated movies. Like, are those <laughs> going to fall into the, Elseworlds kind of is that going to be its own separate thing or are they going to think okay well if we do because I know for a while the animated movies had kind of that 52 house style for a while um, in terms of character design I wonder if that's going to I can't see them being like super picky in terms of plot point A plot point B Um, I'm curious to see how they, they do that but I'm also thinking with the animated stuff, they may just put it in the style of like whoever super, however Superman looks in the movie, that's going to be their Superman. And if they, mm-hmm. you know, if the actor is willing to do the voice, the voiceover, and that's where it gets a little kind of, I think a little wonky for me because it's, um, like with the with the Marvel stuff, I know they had to hire, uh, they hired somebody else to do the voices of, I think, um. Although they got most of the actors, like uh, with Tony Stark, they had to hire somebody else to do the voice because Robert Downey Jr. wasn't available. So I'm wondering how workable that's going to be. Um, I'm just hoping this is more of a case of like, okay, there's a line in Creature Commandos about the the Kerrigan run. And then the video game is Creature Commandos, Kerrigan run. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's that kind of linkage where it's not like plot A, plot B equals you know it's not like you know you have to play the video game and watch them this movie in order to get this reference yeah see that'll be interesting to see how they pull that off um 
next one we have is Waller, which is a, a TV series focused on Amanda Waller. And uh, Peacemaker season two is going to be put on hold and Waller's going to be a, like a continuation of that. So the Peacemaker supporting characters, they'll also appear in this. Viola Davis is coming back as well. Um, and this picks up after the end of season one when Leota revealed the existence of Task Force X to the world. And this is going to be dealing with the ramifications. Um, and they're bringing in Jeremy Carver, who's the showrunner of Doom Patrol, as um, the executive producer. And uh, also, uh, Crystal Henry, who wrote the Watchmen TV show, uh, she's going to be involved in it as well as a writer. And, I mean, I think, I mean, Viola Davis casting as Amanda Waller was just perfect casting. And... And I loved even, you know, she was the best thing about uh, the David Ayer Suicide Squad movie. I loved her in the Suicide mm -hmm. Squad. I loved the brief appearances we got of her in Peacemaker. And I've already talked up Peacemaker a lot. So obviously I'm all on board for that. So I think this is I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward too because I think she's um, the way she, the place she was left with at the end of that. Um, and I like the fact that it's. It's going to be, I can see this being a very kind of very adult take on how espionage works. It's kind of, it'll probably do what Checkmate did in kind of the 90s, 2000s for kind of the espionage side of the DC, of, of mm -hmm. the DC universe. Um, I think it's nice that, that they're actually bringing in, um, like Doom Patrol, I thought was, you know, I'm, I'm sorry it had to go because I like Doom Patrol. So I, I think love bringing in Jeremy Carver as, yeah, I mean, it's, I think he's looking at it. I think that approach, the way they approached both the, the Morrison run, but threw in lots of body horror. I think mm -hmm. there's a little potential for genre mixing here. And I know that with Watchmen, I know Lindelof has said that basically the way he handled the writing was he kind of let his writers write and he, you know, he had a very hands-off approach because mm -hmm. obviously it's very much centered on people of characters of color. And as a white dude, Lindelof kind of felt certain things where he couldn't go. So it'll be nice to bring that kind of creativity with the Watchmen series, mm -hmm. which I'm kind of glad it's only a, a done in one. Cause I don't know how you would do a series two after that. Yeah. Yeah. We had talked about that um, before Derek's passing. We had, we had done a three episode series covering the Watchmen mm -hmm. TV show and we had come to the same conclusion. Like, you know, it was kind of a bittersweet ending because on the one hand it was so good that we wanted to see more, but on the other hand, it's probably for the best that we didn't see more. Yeah. And you really, you know, I'm you know, you can't be like, you know, not every writer is Jeff Johns where mm -hmm. you can, you can, you know, spin out material, to the the point of absurdity but i do think it'll be interesting to see because i think i think gun is also going for genre distinctions as well like mm -hmm. comedy you know kind of political intrigue um i'm assuming supergirl might be a little science fictiony mm -hmm. because of you know she she comes from you know she lived on a rock um and so i think he's approaching it it's it's kind of when you look at the MCU, you've got, um, well, with Phase Four specifically, um, Multiverse of Madness was horror, PG horror, mm -hmm. but very surreal horror. Um, Moon Knight was psychological drama. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier was 
politics. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home was kind of, you know, goofy multiversal action that you could do these kind of genre pieces um, that are part of the big hall. I mm. don't think well, Gunn's approaching it. I don't think he's approaching it the way that Marvel's approached it, where everything kind of fits together. I think it fa- sounds like it's a loose outline and that it sounds like, at least to me, he's giving himself the room so that whatever chapter two, chapter three are going to look at, it's like what's going to be workable mm-hmm. versus what I think tempered the initial Snyder run, which is okay. We've got movies we're going to do. We're going to put them in specific slots. And I know that Gunn, when he made his announcement, kind of rushed through the, the first movies that were the, the stuff that's already scheduled to be released. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting how it's, he didn't really talk them up and one, he just kind of glossed over, but it's, it's kind of interesting. That he's like, yeah, yeah, we've got these things. We're looking forward to them, but this is where we're going from here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the next one here on the list is Lanterns. Uh, this is going to be a Green Lantern TV show, different from the one uh, Greg Berlanti was developing for HBO Max, um, which is now you know a canceled project. But and uh, they had explained that Greg's vision was more of a space opera. Our vision is much more true detective, terrestrial based investigation story. And it's going to feature um, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart investigating a mystery that's expected to play a big role in the main story of DCU's Chapter One. Um, I'm I'm not the biggest Green Lantern fan, um, but I'm curious about this because my initial instinct is if you're going to be doing Green Lantern, you would want to lean in more to the sci-fi space opera aspects of it as opposed to the more space cop aspects of it. Uh, what did you think about this one? Well, here's my thinking, is that when they cited True Detective, um, have you seen the first series of True Detective? Yeah. The one with, we, okay. So, you know, it goes from kind of being very grounded and then it turns all, all the way into cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even cite a... Um, they even cite take stuff from the King in Yellow, from which is a 19th century public domain set of stories about Carcosa and all that. So I can see that approach where it's like it starts grounded, terrestrial, and part of it's also budget. Like you know, mm-hmm. I think Gunn has to look at it from. Um, the only thing I, I I hope Gunn doesn't do is I suspect he might hire uh, Dick Wolf to produce it because then every scene it's like. Beware my power, Green Lantern's light, and you hear the Law and Order chung chung <laughs> between scenes, you know. And there's like the the text, you know, Planet Oa, twelve thirty five. So, mm-hmm. but I I can see it working because I think I I think DC kind of looked at okay, well we did the space thing with that Ryan Reynolds movie, maybe we shouldn't do that again. So I could see them taking that kind of shifting approach, but mm-hmm. it's um. I'm curious too, especially since I really liked it's the only season of true detective I've watched, but I really liked that, that kind of concept of moving from one kind of genre to another. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's very seamless. Yeah. 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 It, it It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's not the take I would have, but um, it, it is, it's not something like paradise lost where I'm just completely uninterested, but it's one where, Right. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I definitely would have to see more of it. 
Um, but going to what you said too about genre, that actually brings us to the next one, which is Swamp Thing. And it's uh, described as a horror film that will mark the end of DCU's chapter one. Um, and it's set to investigate the dark origins of the monster through the perspective of horror. Um, Gunn said the mashup quality of seeing Rocket Raccoon standing next to Thor in Avengers Infinity War wound up being one of the highlights of the MCU. And he says that they're trying to one-up that approach with Swamp Thing, um, you know, potentially indicating crossovers in the future. Um, he says, so this will be a much more horrific film, but we'll still have Swamp Thing interact with the other characters. Um, now, I thought the DC Universe Swamp Thing, which then ended up, it, I thought it was... Um, I thought it was a great show and I thought I was, we kind of got robbed of the fact that it got canceled before it even finished airing um, and even downgraded where they, they cut out some of the last few episodes that they were supposed to do. And, you know, the Alan Moore run is obviously classic. So I'm really interested to see what they do with the Swamp Thing. Yeah. Especially since Swamp Thing has been, you know, he's not been the best treated character in media, mm -hmm. not just the DCU, but you've got the, the two 80s movies, then you've got, there's a there's a, a syndicated series, I think, in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So I think taking it from the guy in a suit doing scary things to that horror aspect. And I think that because they're pulling a lot from the Alan Moore run, where he really leaned into that, um, uh, is... I'm hoping they take more of, of a tone and style rather than actual plot. Cause mm. some of the things that Moore did, even at the time were a little pushing the, you know, they pushed the envelope a little bit, but I, I, I do think I'm really curious. This is one that, yeah, I'd want to see because I think it'd be good to see the character done right and done mm. in a really, in the right environment. Did you see the DC universe show? No, I didn't. I, I've I've seen clips, but I haven't really watched it. It's worth a watch. I mean, it 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 does have that. It does have that little sogginess feeling when they get into the middle of the season. But overall, it's it's very good. Um, mm -hmm. So and and the West Craven movie, you know, that we reviewed that way early on, and that was it has its charms, but yeah, it doesn't. It you definitely, I definitely would not call it a horror movie per se. Um, so I do like that they're leaning more into the horror aspect. And since he says that Swamp Thing will interact with other characters, I imagine we could also see John Constantine come out up in here, just like he appeared in the original Swamp Thing comics. So that could be a way to introduce him into this new universe. Um, and that brings us to the last movie that was announced as part of the DCU. And then we'll talk about some of the Elseworlds stuff, but that's The Authority. Um, so The Authority... Not originally part of DC, actually originally part of Wildstorm, uh, kind of a spinoff after Ellis took over the Stormwatch series, kind of reinvigorated it, and then ended it and replaced it with The Authority. And Safran described The Authority as kind of like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, saying that they know you want them on the wall, or at least they believe that. And so, you know, it's these this team of of superheroes who use extreme methods to protect the planet. And, you know, it, if you've ever read the comic books, um, you know, the Warren Ellis run was just absolutely great. The, the Mark Miller stuff, less so. Um, Ed Brubaker also did a run at that was pretty good too. And Grant Morrison actually recently did Superman and the authority where he had 
Superman forming a new version of the authority with, which included like Apollo and Midnighter, uh, but also some other characters mixed in there. And this was, uh, I was really curious to, I was really surprised to see this one here. I was not expecting to ever see a movie based on the authority, at least not in live action. Uh, what did you think of this announcement? Um, well, I've, I've read, um, I read a lot of Ellis's run of the authority and um, although I liked it, I, I don't know. It, it seems like the one very extreme outlier for this, because I'm not sure where this falls in, in guns wheelhouse. I mean, if it were, if it had been published by, if I'm not sure it's part of Wildstorm, I would much rather have a planetary movie, um, mm-hmm. which is another of Ellis's series. Yeah. That was, uh, that was also a Wildstorm. A Wildstorm, but I don't think it was ever published. I don't know if it, was carried over and published by DC the way authority did. Oh no, no. It ended with Ellis. Yeah. Right. Um, because I think planetary had it been part of that, that kind of DC carryover would have been good to have a team basically investigating the history of the DC universe where um, Ellis kind of, you know, the, the series was about, you know, pulp and, and other kind of archetypical action stuff this would have been a really great way, but the authority it's, I I'm kind of a little, I I'm not sure how a, a team that believes they can change the world and they, they should rule by force would fit in the modern, especially since we now have shows like the boys mm-hmm. and to some extent, the, the, the Watchmen AB HBO series, I'm not quite sure how it would fit. So this is one where I'm like, I'll wait until it's out on DVD or I'll wait till it's out on streaming to see it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think that it could really fit is because, and this isn't something you had with the authority when they were being published by Wildstorm, because all the heroes in that, in that universe, well, by the time the authority was published, most, most of the other heroes, Wildstorm wasn't really publishing a whole lot else. So there was that aspect to be considered. Um, But there wasn't really any challenges, not any real challenges from other superheroes who are much more old fashioned type of superheroes. So I think where the authority gets interesting is in showing, seeing a contrast with characters like Superman and Batman. And how does someone like Superman deal with something like the authority? And this could also maybe be a lead into something like an adaptation of, of one of my favorite Superman stories. um, What's so funny about truth, justice in the American way where Superman encounters mm-hmm. um, a DC version of the authority called the elite and, you know, and has to deal with this idea that, you know, maybe his methods are too outdated, don't fit in with the modern world. Uh, and that contrast between the two, two approaches, I think that could be something interesting to explore. Yeah, I could see, I could see something like that, but trying to do it from the authority perspective, I mean, it would be a challenge because essentially the authority would have to, either a have to lose or B Superman would have to lose. And um, Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to see the story of how that would play out, even though I'm not sure if it would play out well, Mm -hmm. but yeah, but I'm not really, I'm not really an authority guy. So I'm not sure whether that would be. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, And then that leads into the Elseworlds stuff, which so far we have three projects confirmed for this. There's the Batman part two, um, there's also the Joker sequel, which, um, what was that called again? 
uh, Folia Du, which is going to introduce uh, Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. And I think it's supposed to be more of a musical is what they had said too. And then uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Superman film, which actually I was watching uh, Chris Hayes, I think it was yesterday, and Ta-Nehisi Coates was on there. And Hayes had asked him, what are you working on now? And Coates said, oh, I'm working on Superman, but there's not really much else I can say. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do this now, because the, the coach Superman film is always, I've always been interested in. And one of the interesting things about it is they've never necessarily confirmed that he's going to be writing. It's going to be a black Superman, but it's not necessarily going to be Clark Kent. I don't think they've ever said it's going to be a black version of Clark Kent. Um, that could be Val Zod from uh, James Robinson's Earth 2 run, or it could mm-hmm. be, um, uh, what was his name? Calvin Ellis uh, from uh, yeah. Morrison's Multiversity, where he was uh, not only a black Superman, but also a black president. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is, this is, I'm still interested in, but what, what I like the most here is the idea that they are keeping this Elseworlds option. So they're still going to be able to do stuff that's not connected to the the continuity. And I think that's one of the things that I wish Marvel would, would do a little bit too, because it'd be nice to see some projects that aren't necessarily tied into the MCU, but, but they haven't really pursued that at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I'm not really, I haven't seen the original, the, the Batman's, Matt Reeves, Batman. So, um, I haven't seen it yet. So Batman two, I'm, I don't really have an opinion on, um, I saw Joker and I thought it was the best Martin Scorsese fan film ever made. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, so, I, I'm not too keen on a Joker too. Like I, I kind of, you know, I know it, it kind of feels like the movie was made to prove because Todd Phillips and, you know, and he made a big deal about, Oh, nobody goes to see my comedies. I, I want to do serious films. And it's like, well, dude, maybe you're just not funny. Um, and Joker just kind of left me cold. So I'm not really looking forward to Joker too. But the but the coach Superman movie, yeah, I'm very interested in because I'm I'm always I like I really want to see different variations on the typical superhero story, which you didn't quite get, which you didn't get with the Snyder films right. at all. Yeah, and uh, well, another thing too is, and this is where things start to get a little bit confusing because at first it seemed like Gunn's intent was a clean reboot. Um. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, he wanted to recast Superman and and all this other kind of stuff and why he said that, you know, we might have, uh, you know, Jason Momoa play other play someone else besides Aquaman, which, you know, opens up speculation for Lobo, obviously. Um, But now we have that. Now we know that Waller is going to be continuing from Peacemaker, which is continuing from the Suicide Squad. So. And then we also have the flash movie is still coming out and um, we still get Aquaman still coming out. Shazam Fury, the gods is still coming out. And so it leaves this question of how much of a reboot is this really? Uh, What were some thoughts about of of yours on that? Well, I think just based on, on guns comments, I think Shazam is going to be its own thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I could see them once they have the Elseworlds branding, Everything else is kind of 
um, going to be uh, those. I think will probably end up branded as Elseworlds. So I think with Shazam's, I think Shazam: Fury of the Gods, it's probably going to be in its own little weird little corner. Um, it's not going to be part of continuity, but it's not not going to be part of continuity. It's mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be like a kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation. Um, it's like don't bother asking if you want it to be. That's fine. Um, I think the Flash. They've always intended that to be a reboot movie, and there are all sorts of, of issues with with Ezra Miller that we can go into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think with Aquaman two, I'm wondering because I know there's been talk that I think Keaton was replaced by Ben Affleck. I wonder if they're going to use that as a way to kind of close the door on the Snyderverse once and for all. Mm-hmm. That that might be it. Might be that kind of that that way it would allow. If Momoa was contracted for like two Aquaman films and that's it, that releases him from his contract to do other things. It allows Affleck to be a director on some projects so that it's less a um, uh, a universe thing and more just like kind of clearing the slate. Um, I'm trying to think, is there another film besides? Uh, and then there's Blue Beetle, which they Blue may, Beetle, yes. because that's being put together. Yeah, they'll probably figure out a way to fit that in with their their universe with the the main DC. I believe they'd said that Blue Beetle is even though Superman Legacy is considered the quote unquote start, Blue Beetle will kind of be like the unofficial start of it, is what they had said or something like that. Right. Um. So yeah, it looks like they're going to be folding Blue Beetle into it. Yeah, and then I know with the Flash movie, um, I know that's always meant to be a they're always always intended to be a reboot movie. It's just a matter of what it's going to reboot. So that's probably the the one the one kind of uh, it's the it's the elephant in the room, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we can talk about. The, uh, I, I definitely want to get to the Flash in a minute, but I first wanted to mention about um, just the idea of how much of a reboot is this. I mean, and there've been a I've seen some people talking about this, saying that you know, well, if you're going to reboot it, just reboot the whole thing. Don't just keep your stuff around and. I mean, on the one hand, I get that. On the other hand, it kind of seems like it's fitting for uh, for uh, DC continuity to be a DC reboot to be as fucked up as it is in the comics because they always seem to be doing that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Crisis was supposedly a reboot, but then they're like, "Oh, but we're still going to keep some stuff." And then uh, New Infinite Crisis was supposedly bringing back the multiverse, but it was also mixing in all this other stuff, and then. Then we had Flashpoint in the New 52, which was a reboot, but it was keeping some things. And then Rebirth, which again was a reboot, but not quite. And then they had had Doomsday Clock was another like reboot, but not quite. So it, I mean, part of me thinks it wouldn't really be a DC situation unless the continuity was a little fucked up. Yeah. And I think one of the lessons of the MCU is trying to, is that sometimes trying to keep an ironclad uh, eye on continuity isn't always a good thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one division, like the idea was you didn't need to watch one thing nor a TV show to understand the movie. And it's like, I saw one division and I saw um, multiverse of madness at separate times. And it felt like multiverse of madness was, there was never like a clear, like, yeah, this is what happened to her back there. It just felt like you needed that backstory in order to know what was going on in the movie. Um, right. 
And I think with DC, yeah, you need you need you need a messed up continuity. Like like I could see a gratuitous, you know, in the middle of of Superman Legacy, uh, three teenagers come in and they're like, "Hey, join us in the future to fight crime." Oh wait, we're here too soon. Never mind. Mm-hmm. One of the smart things that Peacemaker did and was it kind of served as uh and and the suicide squad in general it kind of seemed like it was a soft reboot in a way because you had some elements that were tied into the first movie but you didn't need to watch the first movie to understand the suicide squad and then in peacemaker they were making a lot of other references to stuff that could not have happened in the Snyderverse, right? You know, Peacemaker talks about teaming up with Matter Eater Lad. You know, they're and they're referenced to all these characters that hadn't popped up in the in the movies at all. And I don't think I don't know where you slot those in anywhere in the Snyderverse. Um, you know, like you know, Bloodshot Bloodsport mentioning that they put he put Superman in the in the ER and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it did kind of serve as like a soft reboot, and now they're just continuing with that. So I think it does make sense to include the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and Waller all in the same universe. And also feels good too, because you're not starting from, you know, the Snyder approach was you start big and operatic and, you know, mythological to use one of his favorite buzzwords with gun. You start small and personal and expand out. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the approach that the DCU needed. The MCU, it started, you know, before, before, 2008 if if we were asked hey you want to go see an iron man movie with robert downey jr we'd both be like yeah sure okay pull mm-hmm. the other one yeah, really yeah. <laughs> you, you know robert downey jr's iron man yeah that's going to be a real success look what happened and i think gun is is learning the lesson of you start small and personal and build out absolutely yeah and i think it and i like the idea that they're they're not necessarily starting off from the beginning of it i i do like the idea because i think a lot of the dc heroes i think do work better if they've got some history behind them even if we don't necessarily know what that history is you know we don't need to see superman's rocket falling in smallville and him being raised by the kents for the the 50 hundredth time we don't need to see the wayne shot like we've been seeing like every goddamn year and and it allows you to do things like by having them have those some sort of established history already, it allows you to do things like bring in Supergirl, bring in Robin, bring in Damian Wayne and all that other kind of stuff. And yeah, and I think that approach works a lot better. Whereas Marvel, a lot of the characters aren't familiar to audiences. So you have to bring them in to begin with. Yeah. And I think too, with, with DC, there are more points of entry than you would, um, than you would believe because you know it's not like like in in the mcu everyone's in new york mm-hmm. you know every superhero is in new york whereas dc has more of an imaginary geography so you could say okay smallville's in kansas and metropolis is wherever metropolis is so mm-hmm. you can do different different kind of set pieces depending on your hero so then uh, the other thing, too, is to talk about Ezra Miller as the Flash. Now, this is one of the things that annoyed me about the announcement because, you know, they're like, well, we can't do this Superman movie with Henry Cavill, but, you know, maybe we could have Ezra Miller come back in the future as the Flash. Now, my hope is that what really is going on is that Zaslav told them, look, 
we've invested so much money in this Flash movie. We need it to at least try to make back some of the money we've invested in it. So just don't talk shit about Ezra Miller. Just say that you hope he's doing his recovery and, you know, you hope it works out well for him and just leave it at that. Because honestly, even if Ezra Miller wasn't a violent sociopath, they were still a terrible casting decision for The Flash to begin with. And so I can't see any world mm-hmm. in which you take, you look at Henry Cavill, who is like the nicest guy on the planet and say like, eh, we don't want him, but you're going to keep the violent sociopath because, uh, because apparently he was in one good superhero movie. It would be one thing if it were a case of like, um, if, if the, if the worst thing Ezra Miller did was say, get a little drunk at a karaoke bar and was a little too loud. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the fact is Miller had a history of, um, I mean, you just, you just need to Google to see all the stuff that they've been involved with, you know, um, kidnapping, you know, um, very abusive behavior, breaking and entering, um, grooming. And yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot where it makes sense that, um, you can't really, there's been so much time money tied into the flash movie. I personally think, um, that the flash movie, I, I think it's probably going to, I think it will probably not do very well. Cause there's just so much of a stink attached to it. And right. I do think that with, with Hen, you know, that's why I think Henry Cavill deserves another shot because at least he tried to bring something. He just didn't have the right script. And I think mm-hmm. he deserves a break. Um, I think with Ezra Miller, um, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, he was, he was probably the, the absolute worst thing about, in my opinion, about in the entire, whether it's the Joss League or the, the Zack Snyder's Justice League. He, he, to me, he was the weakest link because there really wasn't uh you know, he was just, oh, hey, look, I'm quirky, you know, mm-hmm. um, Part of me kind of hopes, and I know this is not going to happen, but that at the end of the Flash movie, it's like you see him stop before he goes to run. He removes his mask, and it's a different actor so that we know, Mm -hmm. okay, this is not the guy we're going to follow into the DCU. And I'm hoping that if it is a reboot, that it's kind of a – it's it's a very clear, you know, this is where we're going from – from moving forward um because at least like with with all the other actors like um ray fisher put in an honest effort sorry but you know ben affleck no we don't need pouty batman um cavill tried to do a halfway decent job gal gadot did a pretty decent job jason momoa did a pretty decent job um but yeah there's just i think there's just too much of a stink behind him and he's done so much and i think um it would be like, um, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, Bill Cosby announced he was going back on tour. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not going to be met with 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 cheers. So, right. I, I do think I do think the film is going to sink. But I think if if Zaslov, remember, the guy who brought us Honey Boo Boo, you know, if he sees that as a loss, he'll think, OK, that just proves that that approach was wrong. We we and Gunn will be 
moving ahead full steam. So mm. at least he'll know that, okay, maybe we, maybe spending all this money isn't the smart thing, smartest thing. And even mm. Gunn said, you know, we'll, we'll, basically he said, I don't think this is a direct quote, but he said, okay, we'll support the filmmakers' visions to a point. But he also made it clear we're not making anything until the script's done. And I right. think those are, I think those are really key because um, the fact that the Flash took so many reshoots and there were so many scripting and 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 editing problems uh, that you know it's kind of like no, we've got to be, you know, unlike Kevin Feige, Gunn is a creative, and unlike Kevin Feige, although Kevin Feige has the business and production experience what gun is he's got someone who has that experience so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how the dcu progresses from this point onward yeah i agree with pretty much all of that i mean we can quibble about ben affleck's batman i think he did as well a job as anyone could given what with the material he was given and i think he would have made a really great batman if he got a chance to do his own batman movie like he had originally hoped to do but then you know, just the weight of expectations and him having to deal with it. It was too much for him. And I totally get that. I was about to say, you brought up a kingdom come movie. You put Henry Cavill as an older Batman, Affleck as the Cavill as an older Superman, Ben Affleck as an older Batman, throwing Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman doesn't really age. Right. There's your, your there's your kingdom come. And mm -hmm. hey, you know, if you want to make that a Zack Snyder film, because it, I think it would fit with his style. Um, I'm probably going to get attacked for saying that out loud, but I'd like to at least see a kingdom come movie, if not necessarily a kingdom come movie directed by Zack Snyder. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that that would be a great idea. Um, another thing too, they mentioned is, I think another part of it too, is I think more than anyone, Cavill and Affleck are associated with the Snyderverse because they're the ones who started off. Mm -hmm. They were the ones who were in in all those Snyderverse movies, basically with the exception of Affleck, he wasn't in, um, in Superman, but, uh, in man of steel, but they were, they were kind of like the anchors of the Snyderverse and they never really got an opportunity to break out of that. Whereas Momoa got Aquaman. He got a chance to break out of that role. Godot got wonder woman. She got a chance to break out of that mold as well. Um, so I think that's another big part of it is more than anyone else. Those two are most associated with the Snyderverse. And so, not having them really shows really signals that this is a different right right that it's not it's something completely new um mm -hmm. i will say too one of the things i was nervous about especially because uh you know we had the announcements that titans is getting canceled after this season doom patrol is getting canceled after this season and it had me wondering what's gonna happen to superman and lois because it's getting a season three but after that we don't know but and and part of it might be out of DC's hands because some of it will depend on what's going on with the CW. But I am, I was really heartened when Gunn said, look, people seem to like Superman and Lois. It seems to have like another, you know, two seasons in the tank or so. So we're just going to let it run its course. That made me really happy. Cause I think, you know, what would, I think it'd be nice is maybe we get two more seasons of Superman and Lois. And then, then by the time that ends, then it'd be time to, it'd be like 2025 and it'd be time to introduce this new Superman movie. So that'd be a really interesting way to do it. Yeah. And, and I think, um, and I think it would, you know, as much as a lot of good shows are getting canceled, I, 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 
appreciate that at least Gunn's willing to let certain let Superman and Lois and other kind of entities kind of play their you know play out. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Um, I mean, it is a shame that the Batgirl movie got scrapped, but really, there's nothing that Gunn can do because not only was it made before he came on board, but one of the conditions of the reason it was canceled was that the actual tax loophole is that when you purchase a comp, when you basically, if one company purchases another company, if there's anything that they determine is like not viable um, and that they can't basically make money off of, um, that becomes a write-off as a business loss. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, Zaslav was looking for ways to cut corners and, um, you know, the fact is they spent all this money on a Flash movie with all the um, uh, with all the, the requisite kind of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand. I think that would that would have been the one you write off because it was worth a lot more and you could get a greater tax cut. But they they cut something that would have at least been, I think, a little bit more interesting. I was wondering about the Batgirl and, and the Flash thing, because. Yeah, it seems like with all the the Miller controversy, the Flash would be the one that would be the most obvious to cut. I wonder if maybe there was a, a cap on how much they could get back from that, or or maybe they just thought even with all the controversy, we could probably still make back more from the Flash movie than we get in a tax cut. Well, I also wonder too, because um, I have to keep in mind that a lot of the, um, when Discovery took over Warner, you know, they also are inheriting some really bad decisions from that um, AT&T, the previous owner, made. So right. it may have been that they looked at the books and they thought, okay, um, there may have been a cap. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on corporate tax loopholes or, or law, and it, um, but I also wonder if they looked at what was going on and it was like, okay, um, that, you know, there's a difference between say cutting muscle and cutting bone mm-hmm. on a metaphorical level. So they looked at, okay, we can cut muscle, cut muscle. Okay. We got to cut bone. And what's the business decision. And it's like, maybe that cap was, we could cut this 300, but it's going to take us over the cap or we can cut this 90 million, you know, this 90. And that's where they had to cut. Yeah. I mean, we'll never know because right. it's not like they're going to be, be forthright about it. But I do think that Gunn is at least taking this with the appropriate amount of seriousness, that it's not mm-hmm. just big pie in the sky throwing stuff out there. And I know now there's a, a movement to, you know, sell the, 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 the Snyderverse to uh, Netflix for production. It's like, y- y- for, for those of you who are listening, you got to understand, um, intellectual property don't work like that. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, you, well, I, you know, but but everyone yeah. out there probably doesn't know. It's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. No. Yeah, I'm just saying out of exasperation, just because I keep seeing this, and I'm just like, that is not at all how any of this works. Like, you guys need to go to like, you know, copyright IP 101 because this is just ridiculous. It's like, no, it's not gonna. Don't get me started. <laughs> just don't get me started. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a better idea. You know, there's this great concept called fan fiction. Mm-hmm. For those who want to create this, write your own fan fiction. Start, you know, you can start a website. You know, just throw on, throw up a, we're not trying to earn money from this stuff. 
you know, and just post that. Otherwise, you end up with um, an Alec Peters Axenar situation where Alec Peters puts out a Star Trek fan film, and he's part of that is he's raising money via Kickstarter. He's selling merchandise based on um, his fan film. Paramount says, well, you can't do that. Paramount sues, and as a result, they change their their fan film rules so that you can only mm-hmm. do like a half hour. But Alec Peters kind of thought, yeah, he's 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 the he's the standard holder of Star Trek, and I think with the the Snyderverse people, it's like they feel like they are they are the standard bearers, and it's like no, just let it go, discover something new. Well, also another thing too, and I just saw this, I'm a member of a uh, public domain heroes on Facebook and every now and then people will put like, you know, we'll make like this version of this team with public domain characters. And just this morning, someone posted mm-hmm. an interesting idea where, you know, um, how would you continue the Snyderverse stuff with public domain characters in the roles of the Justice League characters? Honestly, I would be interested to see that. I would be interested to see someone take a crack at doing that. Yeah, um, there's a, 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 YouTube, a, a YouTube creator by the name of Austin McDonald, and he, he's actually creating his own cinematic universe out of public domain characters. So, like, he's doing an animated kind of Pixar-style film involving Atlas, which is basically a guy who, who is rejected by a girl, so he, becomes, he, he starts exercising and becomes a superhero. Um, he's working on an animated version of Catman. Um, he's actually working on a Western version of Six Gun Gorilla and like a, 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 a novel involving Spider Queen, which are all these public domain characters. It's like, um, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe if you can't get the, the media you want, create what you're looking for. And right. hey, look, there's a bunch of characters here that you can use. But yeah, I'd I'd be willing to to watch a. In fact, if Zack Snyder is listening, because we all know he listens to to this podcast, you know, he's a big fan. Of, After all the things I've said about some of his movies, I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe he hate listens to it. But Zach, listen to me. Um, I know you're doing the Rebel Moon, the the Star Wars pitch that got turned down. I get it, but you know what, dude? Seriously, um, do do your do your Snyderverse, but go public domain. You know. You know, you can go go to Facebook, go to Public Domain Heroes, just just do it under under a false name because otherwise you'll get people. You know, they'll you'll get you know obnoxious fanboys. But come on, Zach, you know you want to. Mm-hmm. In fact, Zach, you should do a. I think my dream project for you is you should work with Rob Liefeld. I think the two of you would just create something unique together. <laughs> that's that's the diplomatic way of putting it. I think. Um, I will say, though, but I think even Zack Snyder, I don't think he's really too interested in continuing the Snyderverse. I mean, he's doing Rebel Moon for Netflix right now. And, you know, he's doing I think he's doing is he doing another Army of the Dead movie? I think I don't know, but but he's got his own stuff. Yeah, I think he's had his his fill with dealing with major studios. It's like he's probably just like, you know what? I'm dealing with Netflix. I'm doing my own thing. I'm cool. Uh, Anyway, the very last thing I want to touch on is, is there anything that we haven't announced? that you'd be interested in seeing in the DCU? I know we mentioned, you know, Kingdom Come or something like that, but beyond that, is there anything you'd like to see either in the DCU continuity or as an Elseworlds project? There's a couple things I'd like to see. And I think they'd probably, um, I would probably kind of fit 
probably they probably end up becoming Elseworlds because I'm not sure what his long term plans are. Um, I would love to see um, kind of uh, a Legion of Superheroes animated series. I know there was one years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you involve Superman or not, that would be, I think, a really cool idea. And you've got basically, you know, decades of material to pull from. Um, I would love to see. Um, I'd love to see maybe. I would love to see a series, and unfortunately, they did some of it with Star Girl. But I'd love to see a a series inspired by the James Robinson Starman series. Mm-hmm. More importantly, what I'd really love to see. Um, is Sandman Mystery Theater the series? Oh, because be I cool. think you could do or a movie. Um, and the great thing is you could you could literally do it. You do it black and white, but have the dream sequences in black and white CGI. Mm-hmm. You know, hire the team that does the, the that does the Sandman series because that I was never a big Sandman fan for the comics, but watching the Netflix series, it's like that's the style I'd like to see Sandman Mystery Theater in. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just a very it's just very visual. It, it I I just love the atmosphere. That's the atmosphere I would want to see for a Sandman mystery theater series. Yeah, for my my part, I think there are two things that I'd like to see. Um, first, they had they there was reference made, and we don't know if this is confirmed or not. This is just rumors that Michael Keaton was going to be in a Batman Beyond movie, and it got canceled. Make that happen. I mean, he Michael mm-hmm. Keaton freaking looks like bruce wayne from batman beyond he looks exactly like him this is the perfect time to do that project and you could do it as a movie in an elseworld setting that would be really cool to see i think Mm -hmm. i agree another thing i think would and another this i just thought of another elseworld as i was saying that but have you read um the white knight series batman the white knight oh yes yes I don't care if it's animation. Animation might be better because you could replicate Sean Murphy's style, but I think that would be also a really cool thing to see done as an Elseworlds. Um, and then in the DCU itself, I'd like to see an HBO Max Green Arrow series. I know we had Arrow on TV and, you know, it was great at first and then it varied over the course of the later seasons, but mostly enjoyable but the one problem i always had with arrow was it was basically just batman but with but with um green arrow's stick instead and i would rather see green a green arrow hbo series and i think gunn could definitely do this based on what he did with peacemaker and how he involved politics in that make it very political right lean into the fact that green arrow is a progressive superhero and i think that would be so cool to see yeah, and and you 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 play up the idea of the fact that he's a progressive superhero, yet he's also engaged in vigilante type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also trying to have a a halfway decent relationship. Like I'd say, get rid of the whole womanizing Ali subplot, mm-hmm. and but make it as um, he's also you know since he at one point runs for mayor, you know you kind of have him brush up against, you know, in year three or four, the fact that he's now got to realize, okay, how do I balance the fact that I'm impacting a lot of, of people yet? I also know that there are greater structural injustices that I can't handle by just shooting an arrow at it. Mm -hmm. 
And plus, yeah. I dig archery, so it's like I, I agree with you. We we need a decent Green Arrow series. Keep keep an eye on my stuff because I'm actually working on um, a public uh, a comic book with the public domain hero, the Arrow. So I'm going to be playing with some of these ideas on my own. Okay. I'll show you more of that when it once it gets ready. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that about sums it up. Everything that I had to say about the DCU slate, uh, we actually ended up talking for a lot longer than I expected us to talk. So that's we had. A, I think both of us had a lot we wanted to to say about this. Thanks so much for coming on. And um, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Okay, well, um, you can find my written work on Amazon. Um, just Google Gordon Demowski Amazon. Uh, I'm also part of Chicago Doctor Who Meetup. Um, you can also find both Chicago Doctor Who Meetup and um, my and me, Gordon Demowski, on Patreon. I've got two different pages. One funds outings. One funds my writing. And... Um, my most recent works include uh, a short story in Prose's uh, Case of the Defective Detective compilation, as well as a uh, Sherlock Holmes tale in uh, Belanger Books' Sherlock Holmes, A Year of Mystery, 1884 collection. There you go. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll have links to some of that stuff in the show notes, so people will be able to go click and find them there. Gordon, thanks again for coming on. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, talking about this, and it, it's late where you are, so I appreciate you um, accommodating my crazy on the other side of the world schedule to come on and talk about this. No problem. I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And that does it for this episode of the Superhero Cinephiles. Thank you for tuning into this, um, to this special, and uh, we'll be back soon with... Um, our regular episodes and our regular movie coverage. Thanks so much for listening. And always remember superhero cinephiles.com is the website, super cinema pod on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And if you go to patreon.com slash super cinema pod, subscribe for a dollar a month, you can get these episodes a week in advance. And also you'll get access to the um, superhero cinephiles book club podcast, where we talk about comics and graphic novels. That's all for now. And we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you'll get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.